So again, we will be having Abraham take his vows into full communicant status, professing his faith. And again, the OPC Book of Church order for this kind of a part of a service when it's needed um, is uh, instructing me to say this to you on Abraham's behalf to remember what we're doing. It says this, On the occasion of that person's public reception, it is highly advisable that the minister remind the people that he already is a member of the church, albeit a non-communicant member, and has been receiving the blessings of Christ as a member of the church, and that those blessings have resulted in this day, wherein, having given evidence of conscious saving faith in Christ, he is now about to confess that faith and become a communicant member of the congregation." Again, a communicant member. He is a member of the congregation. By virtue of being born into the church, baptism is is even mainly recognizing that more than it is admission. Uh, But now this is him uh, graduating to the status of communicant member. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank our God for the grace that was given you. So we're speaking to you, Abraham. I'm sorry, you're behind me here. I'll try to angle myself. So we speak to you, Abraham, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank our God for the grace that was given you in that you have accepted God's covenant promise that was signified and sealed unto you in your infancy by holy baptism. We ask you now to profess your faith publicly. And uh, while they have the queries for your vows here, we have uh, the same uh, only adjusted a little bit with some other things, particularly from the RPCNA. And uh, you're going to be signing this, so I'm going to read from here. Uh, ask you to raise your right hand and uh, ask you to answer I do to these questions. These are your official uh, vows professing faith to be a communicant member. Abraham David Van Leuven, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the Word of God? The only infallible rule for faith and life. I do. Thank you. Come closer to the mic. Okay. Do you believe in the one living and true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as revealed in the scriptures? I do. Do you repent of your sin, confess your guilt and helplessness as a sinner against God, profess Jesus Christ, Son of God, As your Savior and Lord, and dedicate yourself to his service, do you promise that you will endeavor to forsake all sin and conform your life to his teaching and example? I do. Do you promise to submit in the Lord to the teaching and government of the Puritan Reformed Presbyterian Church as being based upon the scriptures and described in the substance, in substance, in the Westminster Confession of Faith and Larger and Shorter Catechisms, and the distinctions of this church as taught in the membership classes, do you recognize your responsibility to work with others in the church, and do you promise to support and encourage them in their service to the Lord? In case you should need correction in doctrine or life, do you promise to respect the authority and discipline of the church? To the end that you may grow in the Christian life, do you promise that you will diligently read the Bible, engage in private prayer, 
Keep the Lord's Day. Regularly attend the worship services. Observe the appointed sacraments. And give to the Lord's work as he shall prosper you. I do. Do you purpose to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all the relationships of life? Faithfully to perform your whole duty as a true servant of Jesus Christ and seek to win others to him. I do. And lastly, do you make this profession of faith and purpose in the presence of God in humble reliance upon his grace as you desire to give your account with joy at the last great day? I do. Amen. Well, would you come here and sign those vows, please? And we'll give you a copy and keep them in our church's minutes. We filled out the rest. If you just sign right there, please. There, we have a few more things to say. And elders, this will be his certificate. If you could all sign with me his, his certificate of communicant membership, please. Uh, uh, Elder Maxwell, you're first as clerk of session. And we'll give this to you and make a photocopy for our records as well. Pastor, that's me. And then Mr. Renner as elder. Continue with the book of church order for such a part of our service. So next, I speak to the congregation, similarly to when he was baptized, although I misspoke he was baptized in Pennsylvania. I forgot he was not baptized here. He was two when he came here. When we met with uh, Abraham this week, uh, Mr. Renner shared a, a fun and funny story of his recollection of Abraham when we first came out here to candidate. I'll let you ask him about that later, or maybe he can share it in uh, fellowship time tonight. So he was actually baptized in Pennsylvania. Uh, but the, we did transfer membership, and in such, you take on the commitment of this branch of the Visible Church. And so I remind you, we have a commitment to him. It isn't just that he's committing to us. We have a commitment to him now, especially we as the elders in serving and caring for you, but the congregation as a whole. From the time Abraham was baptized, the whole congregation has been obligated to love and receive him as a member of the church. As Abraham is received now into full communion, the congregation is reminded of these obligations. For in Christ we are members of one another. Christ claims this brother as his own and calls you to receive him in love and commitment. Therefore, you ought to commit yourself before God to assist Abraham in his Christian nurture by godly example, 
prayer, and encouragement in our most precious faith and in the fellowship of believers. Well, I would like to pray. They don't actually have us praying here. Uh, Oh, excuse me. We conclude with prayer, but I think I'd like to pray now and state the last part, and then you'll be free to be seated. I'm going to come to you. This is no uh, ordination, but it just seems appropriate. Our Lord in heaven, we thank you for this day. We ask your blessing upon Abraham as he has professed Christ before the congregation. As he has prepared to take the cup of salvation, as he renews his vows or makes his vows, that is, before uh, to you in the presence of your people. We rejoice together for this church growth today that this young man has grown as a child and son of the covenant and is professing you as his God, his father's God as his God, the church as his church, the Christian faith as his faith. He proclaims Jesus as his Savior and Lord and as his King. And so we pray your blessing upon him now that you would be with him all his days. We pray you bless him as he grows into a man of God, meet his needs as he would be training and seeking uh, work long-term later in life. Meet his needs, we pray, if it would be your will for a godly wife, you'd be preparing for him even now, and to raise his children in the Christian faith, and we would pray in this church. We pray your blessing, O Lord God, upon him. We rejoice together, and uh, we look forward to participating in your Holy Supper with him for the first time together this morning. We ask you to bless it and be indeed a means of grace for his soul, truly, as he eats of your body and drinks of your blood for the first time. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, your Lord, praising and thanking you that you are a faithful covenant God over us and of our children and of your promises. And we pray in Jesus' name and all your people said, Amen. Amen. Stand to you the right hand of fellowship. Fatherly hug. Praise the Lord. Beloved, would you now open your Psalters with me to page 41? And we're going to be singing verses 22 to 25 of Psalm 22 on page 41. We often sing this uh, at the end of the Lord's Supper, rejoicing in our risen Savior who has saved us by his uh, suffering on the cross, body and soul, the first two parts of Psalm 22. But I remind you that this part of Psalm 22 uh, is quoted in the letter to the Hebrews of Christ in the New Testament saying, this is Christ speaking. Uh, Having paid for our sins, he rose from the dead, ascended into the heavens and has applied his blood and brings us into God's presence and is building his church. And he speaks and leads the worship in the congregation. Great. But notice what he says for himself in verse 25. Within the congregation, great, my praise shall be of thee. My vows before them that him fear shall be performed by me. He kept his vows of the covenant of grace, and he keeps his vows to us in it, and we respond keeping our vows to him. And this is very similar 
to what we'll look at for our text today in Psalm 116 uh, that Abraham uh, has essentially done. I'll take the cup of salvation. I will pay my vows in the midst of God's people to the Lord. And we have Christ as our example who is saying this in our midst and singing in our midst as we sing it according to the letter of the Hebrews. We'll only sing verses 22 through 25. Please uh, stand. Da 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 I will show forth thy name unto those that my brethren are amidst the congregation thy praise I will Loved on the occasion of Abraham's professing of faith and becoming a Cumanite member, I'm I'm uh, continuing with uh, uh, a tradition I started with Olivia. I have to apologize for Rachel. I don't recall. I probably did, but I didn't save it in a special way when she professed her uh, faith and became a Cumanite member. But for Olivia, I did. Uh, give a morning and evening service dedicated to uh, what has happened. And so I'm going to do that for Abraham as well this morning. And uh, we're going to look this morning at Psalm 116, verses 13 to 14 and verses 17 to 18. Psalm 116, verses 13 to 14 and verses 17 to 18. We will consider a few other verses in context, but that'll be what we're focusing on this morning. And as it represents what Abraham has done, it represents what we've done and what we continue to do as we take up the cup and renew our vows, as as it were, uh, each Lord's Supper that we'll partake of uh, later in this service. Hear now the word of God, Psalm 116, verses 13 to 14 and 17 to 18. That's what we'll focus on, but I'll go ahead and read straight through the verses since they're close together. Psalm 116, verse 13. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. 
I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. May God bless this, the reading, the preaching, the hearing, the believing, and the responding to his holy word. And I I know I'm preaching to the choir, as it were, but here's an important text to recognize the validity of membership vows, thus the validity of church membership and its necessity. Uh, When I started the membership class last year, sometime in September, I think it was around that time that I preached a sermon about how church membership is uh, important, it matters, and it's mandated uh, to kind of explain why we're starting this membership class. So here we are today, a year later, Abraham having completed it and ready to profess his faith, having professed his faith, and coming into full communicant membership with the idea of taking vows, the idea of vowing before the Lord and as an oath uh, to one another. Abraham is responding in making of those vows to God. God makes a promise to we, his people, and to our children. He's faithful to those promises. And Abraham, as a child of the covenant, raised in the Christian faith, is now professing his own faith in Christ in response to God's goodness to him. And that's what we see in this text A Christian's response to God's covenant faithfulness in and to the church should be taking and renewing vows of public profession of covenant faithfulness to him and to his covenant people. I give that to you as the main idea of these verses we're looking at in their context. A Christian's response, that is a proper Christian response to God's covenant faithfulness in and to the church should be taking and renewing vows of public profession of covenant faithfulness to him and to his people. And so I remind Abraham of what he's just done to take it seriously. And a number of you who are in the class and uh, started at different times and are catching up with it recorded on Sermon Audio online, I remind you of what you'll be doing, Lord willing, uh, and hopefully not long from now. In the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 22, of lawful oaths and vows. So there's a whole chapter uh, teaching about lawful oath and vows from the scriptures. During the membership inquirers class, uh, here is most of what we reviewed together. uh, Confession of Faith, chapter 22, section 1. A lawful oath is part of religious worship wherein upon just occasion the person swearing solemnly calls God to witness when he asserts or promises and to judge him according to the truth or falsehood of what he swears. Which is why, sadly, not too long ago, someone said to us, I know what you're going to say. Don't call me to keep my vows. But God calls us to it, and he'll hold us to it, whether we do or not. Section 2 of the chapter. 
The name of God only is that by which men ought to swear, and therein it is to be used with all holy fear and reverence, as in matters of weight and moment. An oath is warranted by the word of God under the New Testament as well as under the Old, so a lawful oath being imposed by lawful authority in such matters ought to be taken. So in this case, we want to be partaking of the Lord's Supper. It is right to require, and it is right to take the oaths. It must happen to profess faith. Section 3 of chapter 22. And by the way, I'm not reading all of these answers in entirety, but most of it. Section 3. Whosoever takes an oath ought duly to consider the weightiness of so solemn an act, and therein to avouch nothing but what he is fully persuaded is the truth. Yet it is a sin to refuse an oath, touching anything that is good and just, being imposed by lawful authority. Section 5. A vow, by the way, what's the difference between oaths and vows? Oaths are to people, vows are to God. So oaths are horizontal, oaths are vert, uh, excuse me, vows are vertical. And they, they really do overlap in why we call them membership vows. Section 5. A vow is of the like nature, that is of an oath. Uh, a vow is, li- is of the like nature with a promissory oath and ought to be made with the like religious care, and to be performed with the like faithfulness. Section 6. It is not to be made to any creature, but to God alone, and that it may be accepted, it is to be made voluntarily out of faith and conscience of duty, in way of thankfulness for mercy received, or for the obtaining of what we want, whereby we more strictly bind ourselves to necessary duties. That all being said, as you have just done zealously, Abraham, may you and everyone always renew and proclaim your church membership vows. That's the message for you this morning. Proclaim your church membership vows. Proclaim them off the rooftops. Proclaim them on top of the mountain. That's the feeling you get in the scripture today. I will pay my vows to the Lord before his people. It's a testimony. It's a witness. And by the way, there is no professing Christian who has not done this. No Christian should call themselves a professing Christian if they have not professed faith in formal communicant membership in a church. It's not a profession of faith. It's a trying to get out of hell free card. You proclaim your membership vows in the church to God and to the church. Proclaim your church membership vows is the message for you this morning. Now you have cause to thankfully proclaim your membership vows to serve. You have cause to thankfully proclaim your membership vows to serve. Abe, before you can remember, you have been well taken care of by God through your family. You don't remember it, young man, but I changed a whole bunch of your diapers. 
And I fed you a whole bunch of food, and you spit plenty of it out on me, just like your little brothers now and Juliana will. You have had all you need to eat and drink, all you need to play and study, all you need to grow and learn. And particularly, you have been raised under Christ for Christ. And this is a privilege, a reason to thank God, a reason that you have come to proclaim him for yourself because of all he's already done for you. When you were just a few months old, Dr. Jeffrey Stuyvesant anointed you with the waters of baptism at Grace Reformed Presbyterian Church in Gibsonia, Pennsylvania. And so you were raised as you were born a Christian. You could have been raised a Philistine. You could have been raised outside of the church, but God gave you the privilege of being born into a Christian family who raised you in the church as a Christian expecting you and teaching you to love Christ and grow in the Christian faith. I remind you of what I just read to you from the uh, Orthodox Presbyterian Church's Book of Church Order. On the occasion of that person, that is Abraham's public reception, it is highly advisable that the minister remind the people that he is already a member of the church, albeit a non-communicant member, and has been receiving the blessings of Christ as a member of the church, that is a baptized member, and that those blessings have resulted in this day. Let's not miss that, folks. Too many churches, too many Presbyterian churches are following the ways of those they should know better. We don't wait to see what happens with our children and then wonder why most of them never come to such a day. You raise them to this day. You baptize them to this day and you raise them up in their baptism for Christ and expect by God's faithfulness to his covenant promises, they'll be here professing their faith. This day is because of the day he was baptized and all the days he was raised to it until now. Don't miss that. And Abraham, don't miss that incredible blessing you have have been raised in the church alongside brethren and under under fathers and sisters of the faith, especially, I think, of the elders and how often they've taken you under their arm and taken you places, and you've been in our men's study even as young men and been blessed. This is a privilege of God's grace to you. Don't take it for granted. And as you have made your profession, I trust you haven't, and you are praising God for his grace to you that has brought you to this day. It's not an accident. It's design. And it is true. Thus, consider part of your pledge today relates to verse 16 of our text. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. That's thinking of one side of how you exist and were baptized. Tonight, we'll think of the other side of it as we go to a verse in Exodus. The God of my father is my God. Now, you take those vows as your own, and you graduate into communicant membership for the same kind of reasons as David talks about. And let's see what's leading up to this, where he, it's like a crescendo, therefore I will pay my vows to the Lord in the congregation, in the midst of his people. But he's building to this crescendo with thinking about all the reasons that he should, and he must, and he wants to, and he's loving to. Let's read the first part of the psalm, verses 1 to 11, leading up to these vows. 
Psalm 116, beginning with verse 1. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell get hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe. Therefore have I spoken, I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. And all of that is leading up in the context of verse 12 that sets up the the vows. So much the Lord has faithfully done for David in context of the covenant and God's covenant people. Thus, he wants to do something in return in faith, expressing faithfulness in public to God and his people. But he's like, what can I do? What, what can I do? Here's the answer. Verse 12. Or excuse me, here's leading up to the answer. Verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? And Abraham, as you think about how we just surveyed your life quickly in terms of meeting your physical needs and your spiritual needs in the church, this is what you are really wanting to say. This is what led you to this day. What shall I, Abraham, David, Van Leuven, render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me as a child of the covenant, raised as a Christian in the church of Christ? What shall I do? How can I show my thanks? Our text today. Verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Verse 14, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Verse 17, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Verse 18, I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Notice that idea of now. Today is the day of salvation. He's been waiting for this. He's been biting at the bit for this. And there's been reasons we've gone a little slower and started a little later compared to his older sisters. Now, now he wants to do this. There's a sense of now, why would I wait? Now is the time to give myself to the Lord. Now is the time to profess before my peers who don't know about these things necessarily, even in their churches, and are treated technically as unbelievers. I will proclaim Jesus is my Lord and I am his and this is my church and I'm trusting in Jesus Christ as I was baptized so to do. I will improve my baptism now. I want to profess publicly, formally committing myself to Christ and his church by my membership vows and the renewing of them, taking of the cup. 
Abraham, you stayed on top of your homework for membership class. And as a father, I asked him a couple different ways. You definitely got all the assignments done. You definitely got all the reading. Yeah, Dad, I got them all done. And he always had them done on time, as far as I could tell, for class. And he finished the test very quickly. In fact, as soon as the last class was done that night, Dad, can I start taking the Lord's Supper this Lord's Day? Can I meet with the elders and say, well, son, I'm not sure if we'll be able to get it done in time. And Mr. Renner's sick. Maybe we can do a video call. There was a little bit of delay before he could start. He took the test on Saturday. I was at the office. Calls me, Dad, I got it done. I looked at it on the Lord's Day. And I told him on Sunday, because uh, I stayed here between the services, and I told him, we was back for the evening service. I said, Abraham, you got 100. You did great. Now, I remind you, still ready to take the test. It's not exactly a test. It's more of a way to confirm and dialogue about some of the basics. There's not much in the class on this quote-unquote test. But he was beaming with joy when I told him that. He was like, yes! He was so happy. And then he wanted right away, we met with session this Tuesday. Uh, He wants to take vows and begin taking the Lord's Supper. And when he met with us, he said for himself when asked with confidence and conviction, yes, I believe these things for me. I'm trusting in Christ for me. I want to make my vows to the church. I want to take of the Lord's Supper. And we prayed with him, laid hands on him there, and we rejoiced over his whole life in the church and how he's growing into a young man professing faith, now graduating to communicant membership status. And it was a joy to see It was a joy to see you say for yourself what the psalmist is saying here. I will. I will. And may you always will. And may we always will. Abraham, may you always keep covenant with such conviction. And may we follow your example and be renewed by your young zeal and proclaim our own commitment to the Lord. Proclaim your vows to your God to serve him. You have cause to thankfully proclaim your membership vows to serve So proclaim your vows to your God to serve him. All you ever have and will have comes from above, from the Father of heavenly lights. This is where your eyes must always be turned above the hills to know from whence comes your help. And that is also where you need to keep your hand raised in praise and in pledge of allegiance to your highest authority, God Almighty, El Shaddai, El Elyon, the Most High God. There is no pledge of allegiance that can be higher in authority to him. So one of the few questions he had on the test, because I didn't cover it, it was transferred from the uh, previous pastor and elder serving then about Masons. You may not be a Mason, because they swear a secret and higher allegiance than anything else. There's a lot of other reasons you shouldn't be a Mason, and a lot of the and foul theology represented, but just alone, your highest allegiance, your hand to El Elyon, there is no higher authority and no one comes above him or before him. Your vows are to God. I mean, again, vows are directly to God. You are swearing before God. He holds you to them. He is the one giving a witness to them. 
and you're calling upon him to help you be faithful and true. Look at verse 13 of our text. We see, first of all, in your membership vows, you are taking a vow to God himself. And do remember when we studied oaths and vows in the confession, we looked at a lot of scriptures that said you don't break a lawful vow. You don't ever want to do that. And there are plenty of scriptural examples we looked at. And so be careful about how you take a vow. Because God will hold you to it. But it is to God. Verse 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. This is where you begin. Verses 14 and 18 say exactly the same thing in part. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now. It says exactly the same thing in both of those verses. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now. And that is, you know, as you know, the Hebrew for Yahweh. He reveals that name to Moses as the covenant God. And you are saying, I will be a faithful covenant child. Verse 17 says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. And this is the blessing, Abraham. This is the blessing, people of God. As you commit yourself to God in Christ and are his in Christ... You call upon him. You have the right to call upon him. He is your God. He is your father. And only he can save. And so you have a relationship with him through Christ. You go right to God. You call upon him as you proclaim him. Notice there is a conviction and thus there is a commitment to the Lord. Pledging allegiance to God. This is what you do in your membership vows. And this is what you are remembering and renewing as you partake of the Lord's Supper, beloved. Abraham, may you always live out Psalm 50, verse 14, which says, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And as you do, trust That just like Psalm 116, Psalm 50 verse 15 says, You will always be true. He will always be true for you. And the reason to be faithful. It says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. In the bond of the covenant of grace, under the blood of the everlasting covenant that you have professed, as your own improving upon your baptism, you're not growing and saying, you know what, I've decided I don't want God, I don't want Christ, this isn't for me. You're saying, of course, I will stay with my covenant God. He alone is for me. And so you can call on him in the day of trouble. Last week we had two sermons about that. Psalm 20. You call, answer me in the day of trouble. And the, and the idea is call on him, you should, and he does. And he will defend you, and he will send you help out of the sanctuary, and he will strengthen you out of Zion. So you commit to him with your vows, and he remains and shows why it's good, because he's committed to you, and he will be with you and never forsake you. And may we all follow your example to proclaim our own commitment to the Lord's people. By the way, beloved, that's what you're doing as you come to worship. And particularly as you partake in the Lord's Supper, you are proclaiming God's covenant and your faithfulness to him because of his faithfulness to you. 
thankful that even as you and I are unfaithful, he is still faithful. But we're still committed to him, and he still calls us his own. Proclaim your vows to your God's people to serve them. You have reason to be thankful and to proclaim your membership vows. Proclaim your vows to your God to serve him. And also, Abraham, as you did and was responded to you by the congregation uh, implicitly remembering uh, baptism. Proclaim your vows to your God's people to serve them. You see, Christianity is not an individual religion. Never was, never will be. It's always in the context of covenant and a corporate people serving God in formal commitment to him and one another. Proclaim your vows to your God's people to serve them. As you know, as you all know, Mommy recently took her oaths to be a U.S. citizen. She was naturalized. She wasn't born a citizen here. And she greatly appreciates this country, and in so doing, she forsook her native land to serve here as her prioritized citizenship. Now, in this case with Brazil, she gets to keep a dual citizenship, but she had to swear her highest allegiances to the United States of America. If we go to war with Brazil, she's got to serve the United States. She pledged her highest allegiance. So thankful for what this country offers. So wanting to formally commit herself to it. And so you must have this view in the church, Abraham and all of you. The church, which is the kingdom of heaven, as your highest citizenship and your highest allegiance of service. And you forsake all others if they in any way call upon you to compromise it. Your vows to God are oaths to God's people with whom and before you make them and have made them. The context of the covenant is always within and with the covenant community in formal corporate worship. Notice this, verse 14. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. He doesn't say, I'm going to go pretend I'm a Christian outside of God's people and take some kind of private vow. I do it in the presence of God's people, where God especially dwells in worship. Look at verse 18, the same thing. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Look at verse 19, it continues the thought and closes the psalm. In the court of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Have in mind what you sang at the beginning of Psalm 122 outside the church, inviting people to come in and worship. In the midst of the people, thus during the Lord's Supper, you are reminded The supper is also a bond and pledge of the communion that believers have with him and with each other as members of his body. As the scripture says, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 17. And as you make this commitment, as you have made this commitment, as we all renew such vows and oaths to take the cup and pay our vows unto the Lord in the midst of his people, thus to the people, 
as you renew such vows and oaths in every Lord's Supper, you are following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord Jesus Christ, as he speaks. Because the writer of Hebrews tells us it's Jesus saying these words in Psalm 22, verse 25. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. And may you also remember to raise your children the same. For verses 30 and 31 of Psalm 22 say this, A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born that he hath done this. Again, that's what led to this day for you. May you do the same and lead your children to such days. So have you done. So may you always remember and always fulfill these vows. Until the last great day, when you will fully enjoy such a bond at the great supper of the Lamb in heaven with his church triumphant. Meanwhile, on the way to the celestial city in your pilgrimage, just as Christian's wife and children followed him, on that pilgrimage. So you, meanwhile, are about to take of communion for the first time. And every week after, as a means of grace to feed your faith, to grow in the Lord, and to serve him, take the cup of salvation. That's what he says in verse 13. I will take the cup of salvation And renew my vows unto the Lord. Take the cup of salvation. Eat and drink and remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. And what you vow to do for him and his people in return. And this is what all of you need to remember. You are renewing your vows particularly as you take the cup of salvation. And partake of the Lord's Supper today. Renewing your vows to the Lord in the midst of and also to his people. And as you are about to partake, Abraham for the first time, and all of us, remember what to do while you are partaking. As guided by the Westminster Larger Catechism 174, and I asked Abraham to read a larger section of this last night, and I also read it to prepare for the Lord's Supper. There's a lot about the Lord's Supper, including how to prepare, and how to partake, and how to act after you partake. So I remind you all, as you renew your vows, taking the cup of salvation, proclaiming the Lord, professing your faith in him, and committing yourself, renewing your commitment to your people. Question 174 of the Westminster Larger Catechism asks this. What is required of them that receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper in the time of the administration of it? Here's the answer. It is required of them that receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper that during the time of the administration of it, with all holy reverence and attention, they wait upon God in that ordinance, diligently observe the sacramental elements and actions, heedfully discern the Lord's body, and affectionately meditate on his death and suffering. 
and thereby stir up themselves to a vigorous exercise of their graces in judging themselves and sorrowing for sin, in earnest hungering and thirsting after Christ, feeding on him by faith, receiving of his fullness, trusting in his merits, rejoicing in his love, giving thanks for his grace in renewing of their covenant with God and love to all his saints. That's what's being said in Psalm 116 today, and that's how you need to be approaching it, renewing your covenant with God and love towards his saints. What's more, that's how you are to participate in the supper. But remember also what you are pleading to do for God as part of his people as you go out into the world this week. Question 175 of the larger catechism. What is the duty of Christians after they have received the sacrament of the Lord's Supper? The duty of Christians after they have received the sacrament of the Lord's Supper is seriously to consider how they have behaved themselves therein. What success if they find quickening and comfort to bless God for it, beg the continuance of it, Watch against relapses. Fulfill their vows. And encourage themselves to a frequent attendance on that ordinance. But if they find no present benefit, more exactly to review their preparation to and carriage at the sacrament in both which, if they can approve themselves to God and their own consciences, they are to wait for the fruit of it in due time. But if they see they have failed in either, they are to be humbled and to attend upon it afterwards with more care and diligence. So now, to prepare to partake And as you all take the cup of salvation, Christ's cup of salvation, and you take his cup upon you, which is to suffer for him in this life, proclaim your church membership vows. That is the message for Abraham as he begins to partake. That is the message for you and I as we renew in partaking. Proclaim your membership vows. Remember all the Lord has done for you. His amazing grace and mercy. And say, what can I do? Take the cup of salvation. Pay your vows unto the Lord in the midst of his people. Proclaim your church membership vows. And be grateful. And glorify his name. And bless his people. And be blessed therein. Let us pray. O Lord God in heaven, we do think about all you have done for us. And we think about all you've done for Abraham and how you bless us with him in uh, professing his faith in you this day, in formal covenant commitment to you and his people. He has given himself in a weighty, holy, significant thing. He has committed himself for life with an implication for eternal life. 
Lord, we ask your blessing on him to enjoy the abundant life Christ promises as he would walk with you and not against you, as he would walk with Christ as a Christian and not as a Philistine, as he says for himself before all, before his friends, before the world, I am a Christian. I was born into the church. I was raised a Christian. I profess Christ for myself. His banner over me is love, and I am his beloved. Bless him and bless us, O Lord, and bless all those preparing to be able to commune as well. Encourage and motivate him with this. And we pray you bless this as a communication even to our younger ones who may not yet partake, but it communicates the same to them and what they should be looking forward to as well. Lord, we thank you. You are faithful to your promises to parents in making covenant over their children. And we thank you, O Lord, uh, for uh, bringing Abraham and us to renew our vows this morning as we take of the cup and eat of your body and remember what you have done for us and who we are in Christ. New creatures, Christians. And we know that we have vowed to live our life for you out of thanksgiving. And we profess this together as we renew our vows at the table of remembrance, trusting that you will work it to be effectual truly to your elect. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all your people said, Amen. Beloved, we will now renew our vows by taking up the cup of salvation and partaking of the Lord's Supper. I'd like to ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke to uh, institute the Supper by the Word. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Luke 22, verses 7 to 20. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, When ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished there, make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup, 
after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Our Lord Jesus Christ instituted the supper as an ordinance to be observed by his church until he comes again to signify our abiding spiritual union in him. This is not a re-sacrificing of Christ. It is not an altar before you. It is a table of remembrance. It is a remembrance of the once-for-all sacrifice of himself. It is a means of grace by which God feeds you with the crucified, resurrected, exalted Christ. He does so by his Holy Spirit and through faith. Thus, He strengthens you in your warfare against sin and in your endeavors to serve him in holiness. This sacrament of the Lord's Supper signifies and seals the forgiveness of your sin and your nourishment and growth in Christ. The bread and wine represent the crucified body and the shed blood of your Savior, which he gave for you. The sacramental acts I perform signify the incarnation of Christ, his baptism, his atoning death, and his offer of himself as Savior. The acts performed by you, the church, signify your acceptance of this offer and your feeding upon him who is the breath of life and the bread of life. God here confirms that he is faithful to fulfill the promise of his covenant and he calls you to deeper gratitude for your salvation, to renewed consecration, and to more faithful obedience. The supper is also a bond and pledge of the communion that believers have with him and with each other as members of his body. As the scripture says, for we, being many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. 1 Corinthians 10, 17. The supper also anticipates the consummation of the ages when Christ returns to gather all his redeemed people at the glorious wedding feast of the Lamb. As we come to the Lord's table, may we humbly resolve to deny ourselves, to crucify the sin that is within us, to resist the devil, and to follow Christ as becomes those who bear his name. As we continue, turn with me, please, to Psalm 22, page 39. Psalm 22, page 39. We recently sang the second uh, third of Psalm 22, which spoke of the prophecy of, of Christ suffering in his body, his hands and his feet being pierced, the mocking of him, the beating of him, uh, particularly looking at what Christ suffered in his body, that you and I would not suffer hell in our body forever. This part of the psalm looks more at the agony of Christ in his soul, the mental anguish. And so the first words are prophecy of what he said among his last words on the cross so that you won't suffer in agony and hell in your spirit. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he cried that on the cross, you will not cry it in hell. 
Let us be thankful. You can remain seated. Let's sing together uh, verses 1 through 8, remembering what Christ suffered for us in his agony. Da 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 My God, my God, why hast thou me forsaken? Why so far? Art thou from helping me and from my words that roaring are? All day, my God, to thee I cry, yet am not heard by thee. And in the season of the night, I cannot silent be. But thou art holy, thou that dost inhabit Israel's praise. Our fathers hoped in thee, they hoped, and thou didst them release. When unto thee they sent their cry, to them deliverance came. Because they put their trust in thee, they were not put to shame. But as for me, a worm I am, and as no man am prized. Reproach of men and by the people am despised. All that me see laugh me to scorn, shoot out the lip do they. They nod and shake their heads at me, and mocking thus do say, This man did trust in God that he would free him by his might. Let him deliver him, sith he, had in him such delight. And of course, Jesus could have taken himself off the cross. He truly was the Son of God. He could have done it. He could have relieved himself of such suffering. But he remained so that he would save you of your sins. It is my privilege privilege as a minister of Christ to invite all of you who are right with God and his church through faith in the Lord Jesus to come to the Lord's table. If you have received and rest upon Christ alone for salvation as he is offered to you in the gospel. If you are a baptized and professing communicant member in good standing within a true branch of the visible church. 
if you live penitently and seek to walk in godliness before the Lord, and if you have met with our session to confirm this with us, then this supper is for you. At the same time, God's word says, Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven to 29 If you are not trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you are not a communicant member of a faithful Christian church, if you are not living penitently and seeking to walk in godliness before the Lord, or if you have not met with our session to yet profess that you are, we ask that you wait and watch but do not partake. All that being said, let this warning not keep the humble and contrite from the table of the Lord who have professed and seek to renew their vows. Our Lord gives this supper as a means of grace for sinners. We come in a worthy manner if we recognize we are unworthy sinners who need our Savior, discern his body and blood given for sins, thank him for his grace, trust in his merits, feed on him by faith, And renew our covenant with him and his people. Beloved, examine your hearts to determine whether such discernment is yours to the end that you may partake. And then come with joy and thankfulness to the Lord's table. His supper is medicine for poor, sick souls. Come to Jesus and find rest refreshing and nourishment for your weak and weary soul, Christ now invites you to eat the bread and drink the cup at his table. So, beloved, lift up your hearts from these visible elements to heaven itself, where Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, from whence, uh, excuse me, from where we look for him to return and perfect our redemption. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. Every spiritual blessing is found in him. So with joyful hearts, in Christian love, partake of his table, giving thanks for the great love that he has shown to you. Come to your Lord's table with knowledge, faith, repentance, love, and souls that hunger and thirst after Christ and his benefits and his righteousness and be satisfied. And so we will now, having prepared to do so, renew our vows and take the cup with the very verses we studied This morning in the sermon, turn with me to page 258 in the Psalter and prepare to say what you are about to do anew. Psalm 16, we will sing verses 13 through 19. And we don't usually stand until the end, but I think 
especially emphasizing we are renewing by our vows, I ask you to stand and we will sing this together. Psalm 116, verses 13 to 19, page 258. Please stand if you are able. Beginning with verse 13. Da 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 da. I love salvation. Take the cup. On God's name will I call. I'll pay my vows now to the Lord before his people all. Dear in God's sight is his saint's death, thy servant, Lord, am I. Thy servant, sure, thine handmaid, son, my bands thou didst untie. Thank offerings I to thee will give, And on God's name will call. I'll pay my vows now to the Lord before his people all. Within the courts of God's own house, within the midst of thee, O city of Jerusalem, praise to the Lord give ye. Please be seated. Let us pray. With humble and hearty acknowledgement of the greatness of our misery, from which neither man nor angel was able to deliver us, and of our great unworthiness of the least of all your mercies. We give thanks to you, O Lord God of the covenant, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for all your benefits, and especially for that great benefit of our redemption, the love of God the Father, the sufferings and merits of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, by which we are delivered. And we thank you for all means of grace, the word and sacraments, and for this sacrament in particular, by which Christ and all his benefits are applied and sealed up unto us. As we now partake, as we take the cup and pay our vows, we profess that there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved but the name of Jesus Christ, by whom alone we receive liberty and life, access to the throne of grace, and admission to eat and drink at his own table, sealed by his Spirit to assurance of happiness and everlasting life. Father of all mercies and God of all consolation, we earnestly ask you to grant your gracious presence and the effectual working of your spirit in us. Bless these elements of bread and wine to be used on this occasion, which we hereby set apart from a common to a sacramental use. In the name and by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King and Head of the Church, 
Bless indeed your own ordinance that we may receive by faith the body and blood of Jesus Christ crucified for us and so feed upon him that he may be one with us and we one with him that he may live in us and we in him and to him who hath loved us and given himself for us. And all your covenanted people said, Amen. Beloved, I now invite the elders to come forward to assist me in serving you the body and blood of your Lord. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in. spiritually is the Lord Jesus Christ holding this out before you and saying, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of
the same manner, your Savior also took the cup. And having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. So I, having given thanks and ministering in his name, give this cup to you. The elders will now serve you the blood of Christ. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus will have you remember that you remember you are under the blood of the everlasting covenant. He says, drink ye all. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you. For as often as ye do eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death. Beloved, let us close in prayer. Or pardon me, before we close in prayer, I want to sing the second part of Psalm 22. If you turn there with me, we'll close in prayer and receive the benediction. Turn back to Psalm 22, page 41. We sang the first part, looking at Christ's example of paying his vows in the congregation, quoted in the letter to the Hebrews of him speaking. We'll sing the latter part, and we will stand for this. Page 41, verses 26 to 31, we'll sing of the blessing that we have in Christ in covenant. Please stand. Da 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 da. The meek shall eat and shall be filled. They also praise shall give unto the Lord that do him seek. Your heart shall ever live. All ends of the earth remember shall and turn the Lord unto all kindreds of the nations to him shall homage due. 
Because the kingdom to the Lord doth appertain as his. Likewise among the nations the governor he is. Earth's fat ones eat and worship shall all who to dust descend shall bow to him, none of them can his soul from death defend. A seed shall service do to him, unto the Lord it shall. Before a generation reckoned in ages all, they shall come and they shall declare his truth and righteousness unto a people yet unborn. And that he hath done this. Let us pray. Please remain standing. Lord God in heaven, we do thank you that you have done this. That after your suffering body and soul, you rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and now sit at God's right hand where our lives are hid with you. We thank you that you have applied your blood of the everlasting covenant. We have renewed our covenant vows before you thankful that you remind us that you are always faithful to your vows in the covenant of the grace to Christ and to us. Thankful, Lord, that you have said to us, you do not condemn us of our sins and go and sin no more. Let us walk in liberty and love under the propitiation of the blood of Christ and having been made new creatures in Christ for your glory, for the witness to the church, And for our own good, let us walk out this week proclaiming our church membership vows that Christ is our King and we are his loyal subjects of the citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And we pray in Jesus' name and all your people said, Amen. And now receive God's covenant blessing upon his people. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.